Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range EDC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. When Vince McMahon retired, and yes, I am using my air quotes there, from WWE last year, there was much rejoicing in wrestling land, as the majority of the fan base was sick of his shenanigans and looking forward to some storytelling that worked beyond a third grade humor level. Triple H was in creative control of the company and things were looking up until Vince returned, complete with villainous slash utterly pathetic and dumbass looking mustache to take the controls once again, leading to last minute show changes, a return to stupidity, and ultimately the sale of his company to UFC to form a new brand called TKO. So why in the hell are we talking about Triple H? Well, because it appears that Vinnie Mac might have finally met his match as he's now out of the creative completely and Triple H is back on top. How did it all happen? We'll discuss it all in this episode 145, Bow Down to the King. I am your Uncle Todd and with me as always is the man who dreams of someday owning one of the Terminators that Triple H wrecked back at a WrestleMania. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and travels through time, but purely for business reasons. I give you the man they call Till. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? I'm well. I actually want to find one of those just to recreate, you know, like see if I can do some animatronics with it, some robotics with it, and, you know, like have it like, you know, freak someone out like the invasion is coming. Yeah, the the best you do is you'd find like an old Chuck E. Cheese animatron that you'd be able to attach it to. It'd be dancing to like some happy birthday song. Some some kids walking down the sidewalk and be like, and then like, ah! Good luck. Look at you. Oh, Wu-Tang yeah. isn't just for the children. It's also for the man they call Tim. That's right. That's right. Oh, so yes, we are going to be discussing wrestling. Be forewarned, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, oh, yeah. But we're going to be talking about the behind-the-scenes stuff almost as much as the in-front-of-the-curtain stuff. So, uh, you know, you, you might enjoy it. Stick around. This is, brainchild. this is the brainchild of Uncle Todd. This is an Uncle Todd special right here. He <laughs> reached out to me yesterday at about... Oh, I don't know, 12.15 in the afternoon Sunday and said, man, they called him chop, chop. Let's crank out an outline on this topic. And bam, it was done by three. Well, is that how that, that works? I don't remember. That's right. I, I get right to work when, uh, when you know, Uncle Todd uh, ha- has one of his moments of, uh, of, of, of revelatory uh, amazement. The muse was upon me. Uh, yeah, let's let's have a little bit of LA night right there. Uh, oh wait, you, oh my gosh, you're gonna make me. I'm not playing requests here. Hey, I put the outline together at request, <laughs> so you're gonna play a couple of songs by pressing the button. That wasn't request. That was an order, sir. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> all right, so yeah, we are yeah. going to get into all of that. However, before uh, we do that, we need to get into a little something we like to call the Week in Geek, some bits and bobs of entertainment and geekery, and... The Week in Geek. feels so funky. What do we got this week, sir? 
Ah, well, we are, as we are want to do during this time of year, uh, kicking us off, hitting lead off, oh, is Tales from the Fantasy Gridiron. Dear God, if I'd known that. That'd be kind of cool if we could get that football theme while we're actually doing this live and just hear it. I, I, I love that football theme when you add it you in. You know what would be great like, is, it, is if I just had a bottle of bourbon with a crazy straw stuck into it right now. <laughs> Speaking of which, we went to our, our restaurant Friday night, and I asked uh, our waiter. They still think you're a mob boss, eh? What? Nah, well, you know, they they call me Fat Tim. But anyways. Um, <laughs> and that's uh, and that only applies because you, you've, you've lost quite a bit of weight, sir. You're looking, you're looking spelt, you. looking good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. No, it, it, it is not uh, F-A-T. It's P-H-A-T. Ah, <laughs> I see. Uh, yes. I got you. Got you. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was asking what they had for new uh, bourbons because I knew the owner had, had brought some in. And uh, I couldn't remember the names of them because it had been a couple of weeks since we had been there. And and I, I said that what I thought was the name of one of them. So he, bring, he brings the bottle over. One of the waitresses, like like uh, Uncle Todd doesn't know the layout of this bar, but we, we sit at a high top that is somewhat close to where the bar is. And it's actually where the waiters and waitresses show up to get their drinks to then bus to their tables. Which is reserved on a weekly basis. Uh, it, it is every Friday. It's same place. Boom, there it is. So, uh, so the waitress comes. She's there to pick up her drink. She turns around. She sees this bottle of whiskey. I'm starting to just read it over, and she just, just deadpan. She's like, "You want a straw for that?" <laughs> Lovely. And uh, we we got a good giggle or two out of that. It's like, yeah, it does seem like. Uh, the waiter brought over a rather large pour of the yeah. uh, of of the bourbon. So, but uh, I, I sampled. It's called a uh, Heaven Hill Bottle and Bomb. Oh yeah, very yeah, good. very good. Heaven Hill is some good, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big yeah, fan very, very of uh, my my Kentucky bootlegging connection is a very big Heaven Hill fan. He's bound to die. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent, excellent. So, uh, and yeah, we we're talking about generous pours the other day. Uh, we went to a company happy hour, and I ordered a double. And when they brought me the glass, so it was like a glass like this. It was like filled up to like... And that's a good-sized oh, rocks glass you've got there. Yes. And it was like almost over half, and I'm looking at that like... Oh, God bless and, bartenders like that. Oh. Wonderful. And one of my coworkers looked, and they're like, double? That's about a quarter of the bottle right there. <laughs> it's like, I will take that, and I will not say a word. Oh, yeah. I usually refer to that as the band pour. That's usually, oh, you know, gosh. if you if they know you're with the band, you go in and get a double. It usually turns into a quad. You know, it's... Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, it was beautiful. I nursed it. It was fine. All was good. But my goodness, it's... Uh, it, it is crazy, though, when you go to different places, how, how the pours differ. Yeah. You, you go from very sparse to very generous. And uh, it's I'm a big fan of the folks who don't use the little, the little you know, measuring cup thing there yeah when i see, I that, see that come, come out, out i'm like, like oh, oh this is this is a one and done right here this is not my type of place like it, it was really funny like my waiter friend when he would pour it was a total eyeball and oh yeah it was normally more generous mm-hmm. and then there came a point where one of the owners was around and he went right to the measuring. <laughs> It's like they're around, <laughs> and at that point you're like, okay, I understand. <laughs> I get it. I, I've I've had more than my fair share of, of uh-huh. bonus pours. So, but nonetheless, this is not the whiskey review. This is the weekend geek. Oh, and son of a bitch! I thought we were getting around this. I thought you forget. Transition back to tales from the fantasy gridiron. My <sighs> um, team last week, uh, sadly, um, or not? I shouldn't say sadly. Uh, melancholy uh, tied. 
So uh, no win, no loss, but I'm at two, three, and one. Two wins, three losses, one tie. But right now, uh, Quick Slants is up 165, 135. Uh, each, uh, myself and my opponent, have one player left to play. Uh, I My player is uh, projected to uh, post more points than his, and also Lamar Jackson is outdoing his quarterback by about 30 uh, points. So... So I am uh, anticipated to win 177 to 143, which would put me at 3-3-1, which keeps Uncle Todd's prognostication alive at a 500. All I got to do is get a win or two above that to prove him wrong. So we will continue to see how this unfolds. I will say this season has been my least active on the free agent front. Um, I really haven't picked up any players since the draft. I've just moved guys around based on how they're performing, and I'm... I'm putting together a pretty good season that way. I haven't had to overlook. There really isn't a lot of Are talent. Are you really? Though. You're fighting. You're, you're, you're hoping three, to get three. to 500. <laughs> I'm almost 500, but I'm also, uh, where am I? I'm in six. I, I went from eighth to sixth. If Ooh. I win this, I'll move up probably to fourth. So I'll Ooh. be in the top four Ooh. on zero moves. Ooh. Zero. Zero. All right. Ooh. Well, we will. Uh, I'll keep you all posted uh, next week when I go to four, three, and one. And oh boy, I can't. Todd. I can't wait. Wrong. I can't wait till you're three, four, and one, and then you're right. fighting to get back to five hundred again. All right. Well, Lucky our, us. Oh yeah, do you have glorious on there? I do, but you don't. You you don't get it until you get the win. Tickle the ivories. Come on. Oh my gosh, that's right. Ah, this crap when I was doing college radio. I think I was helping you. Out, too. And you were. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. Nice. And I will defend. I will defend. Indeed. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, uh, you may have noticed we've not over the last two episodes, Week in Geek, talk much about Loki. Part of this is I am woefully behind. I'm uh, up to episode two, have not seen episode three. I just got Sir, there myself. Are, are you in episode three? Uh, no, I, I just watched episode two last night. Okay. I've been waiting. Okay. I've been waiting for my for my daughter to like for our time to coincide. And then as I'm beginning to watch, she's like, what, what episode is this? I'm like, two. She's like, oh, I watched this after Homecoming. I'm like, okay, so I could have watched this. <laughs> Uh, the past anytime over the past week that's great great, great communication going on in our household great communication just fantastic yes um well our so our weekend geek is going to be very star wars focused and we will uh pay homage to a great of the uh boxing theatrical sense uh but first uh f- basically our two uh primary stories are from the just recently wrapped up ahsoka series uh first one comes uh by way of our good friends at screenrant.com uh basically the title of this one is uh why balin skull is more important to ahsoka season two than grand admiral thrawn and i thought they made a very interesting point here um Speaking about how, you know, it made sense in the first season here, as as really a lot of folks refer to Ahsoka season one as kind of rebel season five, mm. um, that it involved Thrawn, given Thrawn's, you know, uh, you know, presence in, in the rebel series and how that tied to Ezra and, and how that whole series kind of ended. Um, but uh, w- what this article gets into is is looking ahead um 
you know, with Thrawn being the focus of one and then having made his way back to the, you know, kind of our, our root galaxy, if you will, uh, from Star Wars with Ahsoka, Sabine, Balin and Sati now kind of stranded at Peridia. Um, it kind of sets the table if there is a season two for Ahsoka for now Balin to maybe be the main villain as he pursues whatever it is he is going after, which uh, a lot of fans, and I would tend to agree, seem to think is somewhere something orbiting around the the Mortis gods that uh, became a thing in, in Clone Wars and I think had some sort of presence in Rebels. I haven't gotten to that point yet hmm. in my viewing. Um but the fact that, you know, for Thrawn, you know, his story has kind of been told with regards to Ahsoka. There really isn't a, a huge reason for them to intersect in season two or for Thrawn to really be a part of it. It was kind of like, you know, season one had that tie in because she was looking for Ezra. They found Ezra. Ezra, of course, now is still lost to them because he's gone back to the original galaxy and they're the ones that are stranded now. Well, no, they found him, so they know where he is before. They just had no idea where he was. That, so now it's like, we, we have fair a pretty enough. good idea where he is. We so, do. you know. We do. And, and and he's made his way back to Hera. So, you know, there, there's a bit of a reunion to be had there. Um, but now Thrawn, his, his focus now turns to Dathomir, now turns to uh, carrying out his, his diabolical schemes. <clears throat> And so in season two, um, you know, so like, or, or let me take a step back in season one, you know, one of the complaints from Ahsoka season one was, well, we never really got a payoff to Balin Skull or to Shin Hati or, or what was going on there. They, they ended up splitting Skull is off on some sort of, you know, journey to wherever he's going. You know, Shin is kind of like lost almost. She, she kind of goes back to this group of, of nomads and has kind of declared herself their leader in a way. But, what it does, I think, is does set the table nicely for season two where we can or, or sorry, and part of season one was there was no closure to those stories. I think now we're starting to see the genius behind that, because if there is a season two, you focus really all of the storytelling around Peridia. Per, per, is it Peridia or Perdia? I, I forget what it is. I have no idea. I think it's Peridia. Around Peridia and what's going on there with Balin being the focus. And, you know, if, if as we've seen, as we, you know, covered in prior episodes, if the rumors are true that maybe Shin is going to end up being kind of a Mara Jade, you know, stand in, um, maybe it's a story of her you know, kind of coming around to Ahsoka's original offer to, to help her, um, as well as them confronting whatever it is that Balin is going to unleash. Um, it is Peridia, by the way. It is Peridia. Thank you. Um, which one of those things is um, basically uh, at, uh, this this being or this creature called Abeloth, who is supposed to be, I guess, for the Mortis gods, there was the father, the son, and, and the daughter, while Abeloth is the mother who is basically not been seen before. So it could be him trying to tap into some power that doesn't in fact break the cycle because it may cause some sort of annihilation of sorts. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think it's an interesting article. It poses an interesting question um, where we can kind of, you know, delve maybe a little bit more into the Bale and Shin relationship. Um, and we can kind of get a little bit more of the backstory that we didn't get, you know, toward the end of that season, because uh, really the, the, the story at that point was really serving more the, the journey of Thrawn to get back to the galaxy. But what are your thoughts on, uh, if there is a season two uh, of it being, you know, really just per, you know, Peridia focused and, and focused on Balin and, and Shin? I mean, I think it, it's interesting. I don't think, I don't think there's enough there to carry the weight of an entire, even like six episodes. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think there is, but I, well, okay. Let me put it this way. I don't think there's enough there that Lucasfilm would want to spend an entire six episode series just there with no Thrawn, no connection to the the prime galaxy of the home galaxy of Star Wars, no Hera, mm-hmm. no, you know, Republic, no nothing to strictly take place in that in this galaxy, the galaxy farther, farther away mm-hmm. um, or maybe it's closer. I don't know. Um, I don't think that that's going to work. From a geek point, oh my gosh, yeah, totally. You could you could milk the living snot out of that. However, you can't just placate the the absolute hardcore Star Wars fans who want to deep dive into this because number one, a lot of those people are not going to be placated no matter what you do, anyways, as we have seen, and I'm well on record as saying. Um, so it doesn't matter if you did do that; it, they'd still be pissed about something. I think that no matter what, you're going to have to link it back to what's happening mm-hmm. in, the, in the main Star Wars galaxy. Now, how much you do that, yeah. I think that's up for debate. I, but I, I think you have to go back and forth to some degree and that at the end of of a, that somewhat of that Ahsoka season two, which I, has it been greenlit? Have they said for sure? I mean, it feels like heard. a no-brainer. I haven't heard. I mean... If, if I was, oh, sorry, you were making a point, and then I'll say what I was going to say. But, well, but yeah, I, if it's greenlit. If it's greenlit, I think that the, that has to be the story of them getting back. Or at yeah. the very least, at some point, it has yeah. to be, it has to become focused on that because Balin is such a threat. And if he does really want to end the cycle, he ain't going to end it in this other galaxy. He's got to get mm-hmm. back to the other galaxy. So at some point, the the series has to turn towards that. And if you're going to turn towards that, then there should be some sort of interplay back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that that does allow you to further the storyline, depending on what you do between now and that next season. If you if you decide to throw in, uh, you know, a season of Mando that all of a sudden now starts dealing with some of these things peripherally, or you you know, you I don't know, but. It does, to me, it has to bounce back and forth, even if it's like two thirds Peridia and a third, you know, the the galaxy far, far away that we know. Yeah. No, I I hundred percent agree that if they do a season two, I think the end result is them finding their way back to the main galaxy. And I'm wondering if it would be done in such a way that it lines up with the heir to the Empire movie, because now you have Ahsoka and Sabine and maybe whoever else they run into along the way, you know, who they bring back with them, that they are now chess, you know, basically pieces on the chessboard for what is to come in heir to the empire. And mm-hmm. that is going to be the thing. And, and, you know, it, it stays true to the books because when, when, you know, we, we talked about that trilogy, the original trilogy of books, the undoing of grand Admiral Thrawn was basically the threat that he couldn't see. And, you know, you see Ezra who's snuck his way back. So Thrawn has no idea Ezra's back. He has no concept that Ezra is a piece on the chessboard now. Now, if you bring Ahsoka and Sabine back in the same way, where he, you know, pretty much believes they are written off, like this plays right into the weaknesses of the character because he's so focused on the board and the pieces on the board that the things that happen in the background that he doesn't have visibility into are some are usually the things that undo his plans and what he's you know trying to accomplish so mm-hmm. so i think that makes sense i think the um 
I think it's a good way to take the Balin character and kind of round his story arc out because, you know, from, from what he, you know, like, like what they started in season one with just, you know, his, his, his great dialogue and the way they kind of dipped into, I mean, just the whole interaction between him and, and Shin and the way they kind of work the samurai aspect into it and the history that he kind of, you know, calls back to kind of briefly, you know, he doesn't go too deep, but he, he kind of goes back into the Jedi ways and, you know, talks about like Ezra being this sort of like, you know, fake Jedi in a way, um, or, or not brought up in, in, in the right ways, but he brought her up at like, like there's all these things he talks about that would be great to get some context to. And they could explore that in season two, mm-hmm. whether it's through flashbacks or, or something else. Um, and there's also the issue too, uh, or not the issue, but there's also the aspect of, you know, Anakin is there in some way, shape or form. And does Anakin become, you know, kind of intertwined into what Balin's trying to do? I mean, you know, some people believe, you know, some fans have theories that he's now in that, in that father role, you know, for, for the Mortis gods, like he's actually achieved the thing that he was predicted to do by being, bringing balance to the force, because that is what the father character was, was representing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if that's the case, how does that factor into it as well? Um, so I, I think there's like some things to be wrapped up on, on Peridia before they come back and, and have an active role in what will be the, uh, the sequence of events taking place in Air to the Empire. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. cool. All right. Uh, next item uh, is, uh, you know, my title for this is uh, Theory Explains How Thrawn's Resurrected Night Troopers Lines Up with Canon. Once again, uh, from our friends at ScreenRant.com, um, basically there's a theory explaining exactly how the Night Troopers could come back to life and it fits into the canon rules, if you will. Um, r- really, the headline on this one, it just comes down to the uh, the red cloth that you see on the Stormtroopers. Um, this is a callback to uh, Clone Wars Season 4, according to this article, where uh, the Night Sisters uh, were unable to bring back... Um, basically uh were, were unable to resurrect you know the dead unless they were um basically placed in these burial pods that were made from red cloth and so the thought is um and and it's kind of a I mean, it's not, it's not a crazy theory or, or kind of an out there theory. I, I even thought of this too. Like when, when you saw, um, I'm forgetting the, the character's name, but the, the character in the first couple see a couple episodes of Ahsoka, who we thought was Ezra, um, it, it was the inquisitor. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. You know, yeah. he, he had those cloths on him too. And when he was killed, he did, um, he did. Yes. Wow. That character really stuck in my mind. <laughs> I can't even remember his name. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but basically when we see the stormtroopers, they have some of the same, you know, they're wearing the, the, the same type of, of cloth or clothing like he had. Um, or in this case, they, the swaths of cloths over it. So there is that thought that there's something tied to that cloth and, and the powers that they have. Um, mm. So this also, of course, opens up a weakness for Thrawn's plan, which is if he's trying to do the whole army of the dead sort of thing, you know, it seems like there's a way to, to make it so they can't reanimate, which is you kind of remove the burial cloths and then the magic doesn't quite work, you know? All undone by a pair of space scissors. Basically. Hey, we have space whales. Space scissors aren't that far away. Snip, um, snip, baby. Indeed. 
indeed. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it, it was just uh, that was really the kind of the thrust of the article was just you know kind of tying what we saw in Ahsoka back to something that happened in you know kind of a, a middle season of Clone Wars that kind of keeps it consistent to the the, the canon and the story, um, and you know brings about you know kind of this you know, this, the supernatural power in the same way the Jedi have these supernatural powers through the force, the night sisters are able to do what they're able to do through their magic, through these means. And, uh, and just proposing that maybe we end up seeing, um, whether it's in season two of Ahsoka, which we just talked about, Thrawn probably isn't going to have a part in, but maybe more so the movie heir to the empire, um, that, uh, it could be part of his undoing, you know, too, too much faith into this dark magic could be the thing that undoes, you know, Thrawn who typically doesn't put a lot of stock into that. So, um, so yeah, just kind of an interesting article there. Thoughts on Mm. that, sir? Again, space scissors, man. Space scissors. All right. Finally, uh, we we bid adieu to a a legend. This one hurts. A legend of the theater. Uh, (laughs) You you might be thinking of of some great Oscar-winning actors, you know, such as uh, maybe uh, Henry Fonda or... uh, uh, I, I don't know. I can't think of any other. Do you have any answers? <laughs> you, you really, you, you, Henry Fonda. That's all you got, huh? <laughs> that's the name. That, Tom Hanks. He's won an Oscar a couple times. Okay, Henry Fonda and Tom Hanks. Wow, that's again very interesting. Uh, Who, Matthew thing you McConaughey. Got he he won an what? Oscar. He did. He did. Really? All right. All right. All right. I had no idea. He was in um, what was it called? Dallas. Something. Oh, Di- Dallas Buyers Club. Yes. Yeah. I, I think he won it for that. Oh. So in the pantheon of great theater uh, actors, actresses, there there is one that shines, well, like a sore thumb after it gets popped in a boxing match. Um, <laughs> we bid adieu to uh, one Burt Young, who yes. played the infamous Polly uh, from the Rocky films. He uh, died at age 83 last week. Uh, we're recording this on October the 23rd. So that would put us around October. What would that be? 16th. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he passed away. Um, he did get an Oscar nomination for his role, uh, in Rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, and deservedly so. And deservedly so. Yeah. But he was 83 years old, but that is what he is most known for playing Adrian's brother, uh, a defeated, resentful, loyal, and bitter, caring about people enough to hurt them just to draw attention to his grief sort of character. Um, and the article, uh, from variety.com has, has a, a really nice rundown. Uh, Paul, Polly P- Panino was his, was his full name. Hmm. Um, but uh, he, he was a problematic friend who shouts at Adrian during her pregnancy, resulting in the premature birth of Rocky's son. Uh, he draws Balboa into a street fight in 1990s Rocky IV and is the cause of the Balboa's bankruptcy. <laughs> so Polly is kind of a, a yeah. thorn, if you will, uh, on, on the rose of the Balboa family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. But a memorable character nonetheless. A memorable character nonetheless. Um and, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, I, as I told uncle Todd, I, unfortunately I confused fiction with reality and thought, and, and thought Burt Young had passed away back in 2012 when in fact that was his character, Polly who died in 2012. <laughs> so for the last 11 years, I thought Burt Young was not with us. Uh, so it was to my shock that he finally apparently did pass away. Um, which is so. understandable because as we were discussing in our pre-production meeting, uh, you know, Burt looked like he was about you know, 70 back in 1976. 
<laughs> and you know, I, I there was some brilliant redditor comment, you know, commenter who who had said, "Well, you got to remember, we as you know, people really didn't start drinking water until about 2000, and oh, back in man. the 70s, cigarettes were considered oxygen." So <laughs> between that and the leaded gas, I mean, yeah, people aged a little differently now. Which is, I mean, oh my gosh, yes. Look at look at how people age now as opposed to mm-hmm. how people age back in like the 70s and 80s, and it is. It really is jarring <laughs> when yes. you see people. You're like, "Oh my gosh, were they like 60 there?" Like, no, that's 32. Like, oh, jeez, <laughs> holy moly, what the hell? But uh, but I remember, I remember Bert, of course, for for Rocky. But but then one of my favorite is uh is Back to School because so mm-hmm. so quotable there, you know. And he talks about you know how he how he was how he was a father and he you know tough love and he's like i put one of my boys through college i put the other through a wall you know (laughs) (laughs) it was just great you know um but yeah no it was so great um and and a great and seemed like a genuinely like one of those guys almost like a like a paul sorvino Mm -hmm. you know those guys who you look at and you're like oh my gosh they look like some of the most frightening guys and they're they're some of the most like seem like the most sensitive, tender-hearted individuals, like when it comes to their craft and the craft of acting mm-hmm. and, you know, still, you know, managed to find that machismo for the, for the characters, but also had this, you know, wonderful relationship and, and truly loved the, the, the craft and the, 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 the profession of acting. Um, and it's, and it's a testament to him. I mean, I mean, how many movies was he in? He was a well, at least seven with Rocky. <laughs> 166 flicks, jeez, that Louise. he was in, and apparently there's he has a couple in the can that are like, oh wow, I think I think there's a couple that are upcoming. So yeah, he's 168 movies that he was, and uh, I guess he was a writer on a couple. What was he a writer on? Um, oh, he has a he has a writing credit on an episode of Beretta. That's interesting. There you go. Um, but yeah, no, a, a, a prolific actor and, uh, and one of those guys who, I mean, gosh, what do you, it's almost like when you think about musicians and people kind of give a uh, short shrift to one hit wonders, yeah, which I always think is unfair, you know, because even if it's like, you know, a, a one hit wonder, you were like, oh my gosh, that song is kind of embarrassing or whatever. It's one more than I did. Exactly. It's one more than, you know, like 95% of the band's in the world will ever mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. and hey i mean oh well he only mostly known for playing you know the drunk abusive you know brother-in-law well well i mean what have you been in you know what are you yeah. going to be known for i mean he it, it that, that's he uh, good for him he yeah found a role and he he stuck it and and he he and the thing is it's a memorable one like oh yeah anyone who knows the rocky movies knows paulie like it's not like he's a bit character you can easily forget he is mm-hmm. A foundational part of the the main character's makeup and you know what what brought him to the game my my favorite my favorite scene with Polly is actually at the beginning of rocky three um after the montage of him doing his title defenses mm-hmm. and uh rocky show uh, you basically see Polly drunk stumbling through this video game you know again this is 1983 so video games are just becoming a thing so he's stumbling oh, yeah. through this arcade drunk out of his mind he finds this rocky pinball game and he throws you know just angry just just throws this this bottle you know and and, and breaks it and so rocky comes and busts him out of jail or, or you know not busts him out of jail but bails. i mean you know bails him and we're walking back to the car and he's just berating 
Rocky every step oh, yeah. of the way. Just and 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 it's all like steeped in jealousy. And it turns into this whole thing where he goes to fight. And, and and I love this part because Rocky just throws up the defense. Like Paulie's just swinging and yeah. Rocky's just blocking. And finally he gets done and he's exhausted. He just looks at him, he's like, Can I get a job? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and then, and then Stallone is just like, all you have to do is ask. Yeah. <laughs> Remember back in the first movie where you know where where they're in the uh, meatpacking plant and and Paulie is giving Rocky his hard time yeah. and that's the first time that Rocky starts beating on this on the side of meat mm-hmm. and you see Paulie just like like go from like all puffed up to like this guy could hurt me if he yeah. really really wanted to. Yeah, he could end me. You yeah. know, and because he's been out collecting on the docks, he knows people who could get rid of me after he ended me. Yes. <laughs> As yeah. a favor, they'd probably do it. Like, oh, this guy, oh, I'm glad to do this. He was a pain in the ass. Uh, yeah. And yep. but then then they then they come back and he sets up the TV interview for him and Paulie's obviously hammered like early yeah. in the morning. Yeah. And he's and, he, and he's arguing back and forth with Rocky, and and then he just leans in. He's like, "I think my sister really likes you." <laughs> and you see Rocky just like backing up from his breath because he's like, "Oh, just the the wave of four roses and oh. bourbon and, and cigar residual cigar smoke just wafting over him, just like, yep. oh god." Yep. And I'm just I don't always just appreciated that. Like Paulie yep. is is like this guy who like in that scene like he. He is just an a hole, but then yes. all of a sudden he he just he shifts gear on a dime. But but then he he has these memorable parts, like at the end of Rocky Three. It's and and, and uh, you know again it, it's part about it's it's about the character growth, right? There's a lot that happens between him and Apollo Creed and in, in, in Rocky Three. Some of it gets a little racially based. Oh and, God, yes. And, oh, and some at the very stuff end, that hasn't aged well whatsoever. No. And and at the very end, you know, Apollo giving him that kiss on the cheek when when, yeah. when Rocky's you know finally he's locked in and he's doing what he trained to do, and then the line I, the line that I love is is Apollo's getting upset with Rocky and and Paulie's like no no he's not getting killed he's getting mad yeah that's <laughs> like I've seen this before <laughs> well what was it was it two or three where where he's like you know if I could just unzip myself and be someone else I'd want to be you you know it's like those moments where you're like oh that's my gosh four I think because I think he's afraid he it's before he walks out to fight Drago because okay. he thinks he's gonna die like like I think Paulie believes Rocky yeah. isn't gonna make it out of this match and so he tells him this really heartfelt you know thing yeah. about what he who he wants to be and it's him and it's like it's it is it's one of those things where you just realize how deeply flawed this guy is and yeah. and how in his own way he is not it goes beyond flawed like he is wounded like yeah. this guy is just broken on a fundamental level yeah and can only grasp these moments every so often and it's you know it's kind of beautiful that he manages to play this guy where you're like I can't stand him. And yet in a, in a weird way, you're like, come on, Paul, you can pull it together. I've seen you do it a couple times, you know? Yeah. Now I forget in four. Let's just not talk about his robot girlfriend in four. No, can we just, can we no. just not talk the about The thing that? I'll talk about in four though is, and, and again, similar to, to Apollo giving him a kiss, it is hysterical him and Duke's relationship during, during the ring, during the fight, because they, they cut to him and I forget if it's Duke doing it to Polly or Polly doing it to Duke, but one of them is taking the other's head and kind of doing this with it. Yes. And, it, and it's just hysterical. Like they're just like so into what's going on and oh my gosh, like it's just you know like like you said i mean even though he played the same guy in six different films that's people who are fans of those films that's one of the 
key characters they remember and mm-hmm. and uh, and he just did such a fantastic job with it so it is uh it, it, even though he he was kind of uh you know killed off if you will in in i think it was in uh not rocky balboa what was the one after no, it was rocky? creed it was in creed creed yeah. right yeah, because yep. because when uh when uh, Adonis goes to stay at Rocky's house, he stays in Polly's room. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, he, and he still has all his girly mags there. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. And I think I think the line is like Adonis is like Yo, Polly. Yeah. <laughs> <Something like that. laughs> <laughs> Which in a way, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'm sure even though Bert's like, I would have really liked to have been in that flick, but he probably was like, you know what? That's that's about right for the character. <laughs> Absolutely. Go, well, go into his did, room and there's a beer sign and there's and there's a stack of girly magazines. Like, that's Polly. It's probably a couple bottles of bourbon laying around somewhere. So Oh, empty. Uh, four empty. roses, little flasks. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so we raise a glass. To Burt Young, thank you for the memories. Thank you for a, playing such a iconic character, and for basically teaching us all how not to behave. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's the all he's the do is ask the goofus in the goofus and gallant <laughs> examples. Yes. Oh, and that, my friends, is your week in geek. Well, thank you, sir, for for sleuthing and putting all that together. Uh, it is certainly, certainly well, well, well appreciated. Um, and now we move on to our main event, uh, the main subject at hand, which uh, kind of came about for me because uh, as I was uh, as I was on the YouTube's, as I want to do from time to time, I came across a clip of. Uh, the opening of, you know, it was like Triple H returns at SmackDown. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, is to please tell me Paul is not going to try and make a comeback. Please, <laughs> please, for the love of not all this. The heart thing. He, he's pretty clear. I am not wrestling again. So. I know. But then oh, again, Ric Flair has had what? About 18 retirement matches. And he well, almost died in the last one. Um, ironically, Triple H didn't have a retirement match. Yeah. You know, like, like th- that's what I find so interesting about him. He is so atypical from every other wrestler. Like he True. He, he had a great run had that horrific health thing that he went through comes mm-hmm. back and wisely is just like, I'm done. I've, yeah. I, I've done it. I've done it all. And and he didn't have to have a retirement well, match to, to, to call it. It was just yeah. done. Well, it had been a while since he had been active in the ring too. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, I mean, it's not like it was, you know, right out of nowhere. I mean, he kind of been for a while and I, I wonder if there was any itch for him to be like, yeah, it would be nice one mm. more time. Or if he was just like, you know, maybe it's maybe it's over. I think he kind of gets his his jollies now from seeing the 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 youngins get out there and perform. He he seems like he's like super into the whole. Oh yeah, just you know building up the next generation and and, and that all started with him. I mean, he he had this whole NXT thing from back in the early 2010s that he wanted to get rolling, and they even had plans. And these plans may continue now because they they were they basically pumped the brakes. We'll get into that with Vince. Um, but he had this whole idea of having NXT Europe, NXT Asia, NXT South Pacific or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he wanted to make it a geographic, like almost turn it into the territory system, yes. but globally um, and and run it that way. And so he's, yeah, I, I think his his juice now is from, you know, how, how is this business going to continue and thrive and how are, how are the next generation and the generation beyond going to become, you know, superstars? Yeah. So anyway, back to this video, I was, uh, I saw the video and I was like, I click on it. And, and I, I, it, as it starts, I remember I'm like, oh yeah, the articles have been coming out that triple H Paul Levesque is now in sole control of WWE creative, which he's been the head of WWE creative essentially since Vince retired. Yeah. 
uh, read as went scurrying away like a rat off a ship because all of a sudden all of his uh, his uh, his the payola scheme. <laughs> Uh, to bury all of his sexual uh, assaults or, uh, you know, whatever hush money uh, mm-hmm. came about. Um, he was head of creative then and technically has not lost that title. But when Vince came back, he started getting his grubby little mustachioed paws in everything. And he wasn't so much in head of control. And now that TKO has taken over and Vince actually has a boss which mm. Vince has never had. Vince has not had a boss and since, since Vince Papa. Sr. Yeah. And even then, I mean, he bought him out. Uh, so now Vince has been basically relegated, if you will, to the more business aspect of it. And Paul Levesque is now solely in charge of WWE creative. No interference from Vince. No no calls on, you know, an hour before showtime to like, hey, uh, change this whole thing. So... It's season premiere for SmackDown, and they open the show by welcoming not Paul Levesque, WWE head of creative, welcoming the game, (laughs) Triple H. (laughs) And he comes out to, and this is, I texted the man they called him, like, there is absolutely no way this is a coincidence. No. Man's had like four or five different entrance themes. He comes out to King of Kings, prominently featuring the the line, bow down to the king. (laughs) And he comes out with the biggest bleep-eaten grin you can possibly imagine. It just stands there and soaks it in. I'm like, that is a man who is basically coming out and saying, I am now in charge. Yep. I have done what nobody else is. His kids couldn't even wrest control away from him, and I did it. Like, yeah, might yeah. be his biggest win of all time. Forget all the title wins. Absolutely. This is the biggest Triple H win ever. And I was like, this is beautiful. And at the same time, like, eh, it's a little petty. And then second later, I'm like, I totally would do that. I totally would. If I, that was me. Are you kidding me? After all the crap he's had to deal with Vince over these years. Oh, I would do that in a heartbeat. I would have been dancing. That's the only difference. Yeah. He actually played he, it down a little. You'd be doing the old Irish jig where you jump up and click your heel. I, actually, I'm oh, sorry. I'd be like, the, the, I'd be like Becky R-Truth. Lynch and R-Truth together. R-Truth. Like, oh, yeah. There it uh-huh. is. There it is. Now, you know, the 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 funny thing is about 10 minutes later during the promo segment that happens, Triple H does the funniest thing, which is when Dom is in the ring and the crowd is booing him incessantly, he actually hands him another mic acting like the mic he has isn't working. <laughs> Here, I think this one's better. And then he starts talking, and the whole place just goes absolutely insane, and you cannot hear Dom say a word. It yeah. is absolutely hysterical. But, yeah, no, I, I, I watched that video, too. I 100% agree. There there was, uh, you know, definitely a little stank on that one, and uh, and and definitely with, with, with the grin that he had because he is he is in control. And, you know, part, part of the articles that, that uh, we'll, we'll have in the show notes really kind of, you know, um, a couple of them, I think, kind of call out, too, is, you know, he took over in summer of 2022. And just the turnaround that he's done to the product in that short period of time has oh, been, yeah. has been in, just incredible. Um, you know, he talked about this. I mentioned this in our last episode, but he talked about this during the Fastlane uh, press conference um, after the event where, you know, he, he talks about L.A. Knight and he's like, this was a guy who and, and he didn't say it this way, but for contextual, I think this was a Vince idea that he got repackaged as this 
Max Dupree and he had this this model as a manager as a manager he was a manager and now he is like the hottest wrestler right now in the company and his whole thing is you know you know 12 months ago that's what he was doing it speaks a lot to the creative that he has been fostering that they could take a guy who was put into that position plug him back into his old gimmick who I probably was just going to be a mid Carter and then strap a rocket to him. Mm -hmm. um, when they start to realize that, you know, this guy's getting a, a significant reaction compared oh, yeah. to, you know, a lot of their top tier stars and their mid Carters. So we probably want to jump on this, you know, Yeah. whereas in the Vince era, you know, and, and, and we saw this with Ray Mysterio. We saw this with Daniel Bryan in, in the Vince era. If if his guy wasn't, you know, if Roman Reigns is getting booed out of the place, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give him more Roman Reigns because yeah. they're going to follow me. Draw it's, me money. It's Roman Reigns raw. It's going to oh be three hours worth of Roman Reigns. Honest to God, most of Roman's heat, when you look back at it, really had nothing to do with Roman. It, it, and I'm not saying that because he wasn't a good performer. I think it had to do with the fact that he was always up against a talent that the fans wanted to see go over and they, and, and a lot of the fan base with the internet is wise to what goes on in the business. And they know that Vince is behind that and he's going to shove his guy. They know Roman was Vince's guy. Oh, and, yeah. they, and, and when, and this was when he was supposed to be a baby face. That's the yeah. funny part. He was supposed to be the good Vince brought the rock out at the end of Royal Rumble to put some shine on Roman. And that didn't even work. Oh no. And they booed him. And you saw, you actually saw rock take a couple steps away from like, Oh, I don't, it was like, like what, it was what, a, what pile of poo did I just walk into? Like, like it was a, it was like if herpes became airborne, he was, he was sidestepping him that quick. Like, ah, <laughs> It was, it was, oh, oh my, my God. gosh like what? yeah it was ridiculous but yeah and and, and so oh, of so always with the herpes <laughs> always with the well i mean hey once it's there it's like you gotta oh you know i mean especially if roman reigns herpes that's like that's like simplex 38 <laughs> so um, not, at least not xbox herpes but anyway oh, oh, oh that's actually a real thing that's actually in medical books <laughs> and that is airborne <laughs> Oh, that actually God, is the one thing you can catch Ugh. from a toilet seat. So if you see Sean Waltman coming out of a bathroom, just go find another I one. I almost spewed Pellegrino everywhere. <laughs> Good God almighty. Oh, wow, that was funny. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the genesis of the idea of talking about this because I think it is very interesting just how, how different the product became mm. almost immediately after Vince left. Like things started changing very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It was very obvious that Triple H was in charge, and, and that's because we had a long period of time, and you can talk about this more often, but more mm -hmm. more so than I can because you were an avid NXT watcher, or, or at least you were keeping tabs on it when Triple H was running that. And as you had told me before, in many ways, people were actually talking about it as being better than either of the two flagship shows yeah. under Triple H's direction. So, I mean, it was there was this kind of body of work that when he started doing stuff on the main roster people were like i recognize this and you, and 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 then of course there was there was talks about how the morale in the locker room was better you know people were happier there was there was a lot of talent that had been fired and mm -hmm. released that was brought back um some of which you know did well some of which kind of you know but hey they they can't all be winners nope um 
um, but, and then, but, but and, definitely talent that got let go because Vince had one vision and oh, he, yeah. and Triple H has a different one. Bronson Reed, who I don't follow very closely. I mean, he, he's a real big guy. But I think he was getting pushed at the time. You know, he got brought up to the main roster. He was going to get a push. And then, you know, Vince kind of interjected in and he, he got ended up getting released, I think, in 2020, like end of 2021. As soon as Triple H came back, Bronson Reed was one of the guys that got brought back. And now he's I think he's in a feud right now with with Gunther, who is has that record breaking IC title reign right now. So, I mean, and, and, and that was the other thing is like it became very clear when Gunther won the IC title, which I think was around that summer 2022 oh, yeah. time frame, mm-hmm. they started elevating and putting some shine on the, on, you know, kind of the mid card titles that the United States championship and the intercontinental championship, the announcers, because Vince wasn't in their ear telling them what mm-hmm. to say, were able to talk more organically about the history of the belt, what that belt means from, you know, from, from the perspective of being kind of the workman's belt, really starting to like build up what this thing is so that it was almost like, you know, they could do main events with that as a title match. And it mm-hmm. actually meant something as opposed yeah. to being some one-off thing that happened as the curtain jerker, you know? So, um, yeah, so that, that was a real interesting kind of development that happened when he took over. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting just in general too, just the way that, um, well, I, okay, let me, let me say this. The, the thing that, that was in talking about, you know, like a guy like Bronson Reed about other talent that came from NXT under triple H and then came to the main roster is in many cases, the jarring repackaging that would happen mm-hmm. going from NXT to the main roster, because if it ain't Vince's idea, it can't be any good. Right. So all these guys who got over, it'd be almost like, you know, saying like, Oh, this guy is a, is a great first baseman all through, you know, single a all the way up to triple a makes the main roster for the, the major league club. And they're like, Hey, guess what? You're a catcher now Mm -hmm. say what, or Hey, we're going to put you in center field. Yep. What? I've never done that. Well, too bad, pal. This is what you're doing now. And then, you know, saying, well, look at them. They failed. Yeah. Well, you took what was working. And instead of just like assuming that, you know, it's almost like they like, Vin, again, you have to apply logic here. And we all know that Vince isn't logical. So, you know, it was like trying to assume that, well, NXT watchers never watch the main roster show and vice mm-hmm. versa. So that it's like, well, why wouldn't they like that? And I think that had to have been somewhat frustrating for Triple H to watch like all hey, like here. I'm gifting you talent. I am building these guys up. <laughs> These guys and gals, because, I mean, that's also, I mean, the the women's revolution, All I mean, the main event women's wrestlers that you're seeing right now all came up under Triple H on NXT. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they made their bones and then you're I'm, I'm gifting this to you. like it's on a silver platter and you're just just meddling with it. Like, just take it and run. I've given you the baton. You don't need to bedazzle it. Right. <laughs> you know, right. So yeah. anyways, it's it's very interesting to me how this is how this has played out, mm-hmm. but also where it's going to go. Yeah. Which you're probably much more qualified to talk about that, even though I've just been blabbing. Yeah. And, you know, I think we touched on uh, you, you, you mentioned. So Vince's boss, Ari Emanuel, um, mm. you know, basically over the last couple of weeks, there were just I, I, I kept seeing some stories around that he was kind of the driving force behind. Vince not being involved in creative. Um, I think he's quoted as saying that, you know, he's a firm believer that people who are 
you know, commissioned to do certain jobs need to be allowed to do those jobs. And, you know, basically the, the subtext behind that is Vince is not going to be booking from, from the shadows, you know, basically, which, which exactly is what we don't need. Um, you know, the cage side seats.com article, I, I had to pull this out. One, one, uh, commenter on the article. I love this. Vince got worked into a shoot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is exactly, which is exactly true. I mean, they, they, they put this happy face on the relationship. Um, I mean, I have no insights into what's going on behind the scenes. They, they want to let, I, I think you included a quote saying, um, once of one of TKO's greatest <laughs> assets, given his institutional knowledge of the business is Vince, um, you know, that, that they want him to focus on, you know, kind of, you know, basically getting, uh, kind of the best deal for WWE in terms of network packaging and that sort of thing. Um, it's very business kind of related. It's not mm-hmm. involved at all with, with the actual product, more just selling the product that, that basically triple H is driving. Mm-hmm. Um, which but, makes so much sense. Which does. Makes so much sense. Because we know yep. in, in the past, what, 10 years or so, you take the the, the, the WWE uh, network, you know, all, everything that they've done up to now, the TV deals they've gotten, which are ridiculous. Yeah. You would yep. think that they're making attitude era numbers, which which they're not. I mean, nobody is. Mm-hmm. But the the sheer amount of money coming in from just the TV contracts in a in a world where like streaming is king, yeah, and you're and you're still making this money off of TV contracts. Plus, you have your own network that then you sell mm-hmm. to a network to put on this streaming app, and you're still making money off of that. Yep. Holy crap! Like, yes, it makes so much sense. To be like Vince, you obviously. <laughs> You obviously know how to draw money when it comes to the TV execs. Mm-hmm. Just go do that. Yeah. Get your hands out of creative. But of and, course, Vic unless- is, Vic's, Vince is a megalomaniac, narcissist, sociopath. So we all know that wasn't going to happen unless somebody's like, hey, by the way, <laughs> you're not allowed to do this anymore. And I can say that now because I am your boss. Yeah. Well, and, and lest we not forget, too, I mean, WWE Network was ahead of the curve when it came to streaming. Like, oh, they, yeah. they went to streaming before streaming was a popular thing. And a lot of people thought this was going to hose them in the long run because it's like you're moving away from pay-per-view, mm-hmm. which was your cash cow. Yep. And you're moving to this model that's unproven. And what does that mean for talent now? How are they getting paid? Mm-hmm. Because now the, the revenue model totally changes. So, no, they, they were very much ahead of the curve. Well, and even go back further than that, like the fact that Vince... Vince essentially bought out WCW for their library. Mm-hmm. What forethought is that? Because he already, I mean, he had to have known on some level that most of those, the big names weren't going to come over because they already had the contracts that they're just going to sit on their duffs. They're, they're going to get guaranteed money anyways. They ain't coming. You're not going to really run the that show. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I forget what it was that they paid for, but it was ridiculously low mm. to own all of the w- WCW archives. Plus, going back to the, I think WCW then owned like a lot of the other promotions, like all, going back to like Crockett and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Just the tape library, and then buying ECW's tape library. Yep. And and having this just backlog of content that then when you know when you go to put a a network together, when you go to put together streaming. Well, look at everything we've got here for you. Mm-hmm. You want something to you want something to binge? How about like thirty years of WCW Crockett Productions NWA matches? Yep. 
have fun with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what yeah. is it? Like 12 seasons of Friends? <laughs> yep. Amateurs. You know? Yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, business acumen, I mean, it's tough to deny. Like, the dude knows how to turn a, turn a profit, for right. sure. And and I think it's great there's someone there who's saying, good, go focus on that then. You don't need to have input into the creative. And, yeah. and you, you know, you, you mentioned NXT, and I just want to touch on this real quick, but jump ahead to, to, to now and what Triple H is doing. Like, I distinctly remember, and, and this was a rare thing for me because, you know, wrestling events as a whole was just kind of like, you know, a cherry on the Sunday. So if, if I had things going on, I wouldn't really entertain watching it, you know, because it's like I had more important stuff to do, but I, I distinctly remember I was coming back, um, from, uh, we were driving back from a trip and, um, I think NXT was doing an event in Osaka, Japan. And so it was airing, you know, at, at a weird time, it was like early in the morning and we were, you know, we were kind of driving overnight coming in. So I was like wide awake and, um, I think it like started at like eight, seven or eight o'clock in the morning central time. Um, and I remember, I think it was like, uh, I think it was Brock Lesnar versus Kevin Owens, I think, or something like it was some crazy, but, but the, the fact that Triple H had the forethought or, or, or the, the, the vision to not just keep everything pigeonholed within America, to actually try to go and mm. embrace, you, you know, like AJ Styles, who was huge in Japan when when he was part of Bullet Club and and was and and that was really a lot of the momentum he gained that brought him into WWE and as the character that he was, you know, comes out in kind of as much of the Bullet Club garb as he can without you know violating copyright um, with with Gallows and Anderson because that they they all ran around that whole area you know for a long time. Um, was just so cool. You know, it was, it was just such a neat thing to see that, that he mm. was kind of embracing. Oh no, I'm sorry. I think it was Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens for the NXT championship. And then, yeah, I was going to say, I couldn't imagine Lesnar Le- being Lesnar made an appearance and threw someone around. I can't think who it was. It, it might've been one of the new day, like Biggie or, or, um, uh, Kofi or something like that. But I would bet it was Kofi. It was probably Kofi now that I'm thinking about it. But, um, but no, I mean, but but it was just like that event had such a different feel to it. I was excited to see it. I, I was really excited about the NXT product at that time. I mean, Sami Zayn was and Shinsuke Nakamura were having just incredible matches together. I mean, it, it was just like it, it was it was a product that was different from from the roster, uh, mm. from, from the main roster and what you saw on Raw and SmackDown. It wasn't overproduced. It felt very organic. It reminded me a lot of WCW back in the day. I mean, as popular as WWE was, WCW had sometimes the better action you know i mean oh, yeah especially you, like before you get to like monday night wars territory yeah. like you're talking about like dusty and you know absolutely Rick you see Arn anderson or... in 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 a one-on-one match i mean no title on the line or anything i i was mesmerized by arn anderson he was yeah. so freaking good in the ring and oh, he's yeah. such an under appreciated talent you know because he was always kind of in flair's you know vicinity yeah that that you, you know you look at him just as a bit player but my god arn anderson and tully blanchard they were an absolute pleasure to watch wrestle and 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 were just amazing 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 talents well he so, reminds me of a, a little bit of how paul Heyman described sandman once like just a tough guy who lo- who's looking for a fight yeah that's that kind of like it, you don't want to mess with this guy. Like yeah, no, Anderson legitimately like he puts the fear of God in you with his stare. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just looks in the camera. You're like, oh yeah. He looks but, like a, he looks like your your eighth grade shop teacher, but <laughs> he might kill you. 
Oh my god! And, and there's a saw right over there. <laughs> <laughs> Except he has all his fingers. That's a dead giveaway. Fair enough. You know, but but the the other point you made, which is extremely true, and and I think was really exemplified by the return of Cody Rhodes to WWE, is as you said, there isn't this need to force them into some sort of WWE made product or or mm. music or or style. It's when he came back, he came back with the music he used in AEW. He came back with the iconography of the American Nightmare. He came back as Cody Rhodes and the crowd went crazy because they they no one ever thought they would see that version of Cody Rhodes in WWE. Yeah. And because of the fact that he was given that latitude and that ability to to look and function as as himself and to have this great story which i think triple h is 100% you know vested in with him on this journey to achieve what dusty never could do yeah is right up the alley of 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 uh you know of the fabric of of what you know i don't know triple h personally obviously but when when you see what he does creatively it seems like it's right in the wheelhouse of what he likes. You know, it's, oh, totally. it's historical. Mm-hmm. There's depth to it. You can build on top of it. In fact, they're probably, you, you know, you and I were, were, were at, uh, just, just beyond, beside ourselves at, after WrestleMania when, when he lost. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a little bit about maybe they're doing, maybe they're paying homage to Dusty by doing kind of a Dusty long run to get to that point where he's got to fight his way every single step of the way. Mm-hmm. And then I think on that episode you were talking about where Triple H came back, at the end of that episode, you had, you know, Cody and Jay facing off against Solo and uh, Jimmy. And then you see Roman walk in. And my God, when he, Roman and Cody were like face to face, Damn, did that have a big fight feel to it? Mm-hmm. Just staring at each other. Yeah, like that's it, and it's like that's genius. Yeah, <laughs> and yet you and I were like, what were they thinking? Well, <laughs> again, because we're so we're so conditioned to like Vince that you're yeah. you're just used to like, oh, this is gonna get screwed up. Here, here we go again. Yeah. Right, right. All right. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Cody. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to him in a minute. Um, but, you know, just I, I kind of listed out some other ways uh, Triple H's leadership has been impacting the product. Um, you know, what can be said about the Bloodline storyline over the course of last year to this year with Sami Zayn? Holy, mm-hmm. holy. I, a couple of days ago, I just happened to do a playback of, uh, you know, the chair shot heard around the world at Royal Rumble when, when Sammy hauled off and, and made the turn and, and whacked Roman. Mm-hmm. My God, you, you and I both were watching that. We're like, what the heck? The crowd was insane. <laughs> well, the thing was they, they teased it so long. Yes. Yes. Like that was, and it's, and it, <sighs> It's tough to describe because I don't want to just seem like I'm trying to blow sunshine up Triple H's butt here on this one because mm-hmm. I'm not, you know. I I just feel like they managed to tease it in a way that didn't feel – it didn't feel as manufactured. Mm-hmm. Like you could actually rationalize yourself into why it wouldn't have happened then, even yeah. though you're like, well, it, it could have – then you're like, well, okay, I guess I understand, blah, blah. Whereas before, it always felt manufactured. Like you, mm-hmm. you almost felt like there was an invisible person. Like, oh wait a minute, you know, you got trying to keep the two sides separated, sort of thing. Yeah. And it, yeah. it, it felt. I guess the way I would describe it is the storytelling feels a bit more organic. Mm-hmm. 
Like it's just kind of naturally progressing yep. in the same way that, you know, uh, like, uh, <laughs> here, let's throw another metaphor in there. You know, the idea of like when you're sculpting, you know, the idea is, you know, I, I forget who it was that said this, you know, but it's like, you know, it, you know, when I sculpt, I just try to take away all the pieces that aren't the thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that it, it's like, it's, it's there. You just have to take these pieces away. And it feels like the story is just, it's kind of just going along and they're guiding it rather than actively like, no, did that, did that, did that, did that, did that, you know, it's not yep. as clunky, you know? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, just, just, um, uh... And you know, a lot of it's the performers too. I mean, I mean, oh, totally. both, both Zane and and Roman Reigns, just w- with with the facials and and everything that just kind of led up to, um, you know, the 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 you know the promos, the the way the story was told, the the slow burn for it, you know, Sammy earning his way in into the into the bloodline, and then you know things just slowly falling apart because of Roman's you know narcissistic behavior, um, was just fantastic, and then you know, that kind of leads into, you know, this past year's WrestleMania, which we just talked about, you know, this, this, this match that everyone thought Cody was going to win. He well, loses. Yes, sir. Well, can I just pause there? Cause I think you, you brought up something that's kind of interesting because it, to me, it, it, it's bringing up the idea that the that the, the performers themselves have more input. Mm-hmm. Or are, are, yeah. are helping to make that and, and are, it seem like they, they have a little bit. It's not just being dictated that it, it yes. feels like more natural, which to me would assume that it's coming from the performers. Yes. Which yeah. I think is very interesting that we see that under Triple H. It's not overproduced. When that was a hallmark of when the Attitude Era came about because there was that mm-hmm. infamous thing of, you know, after Bret Hart had left and Vince kind of talking to the roster about maybe time has passed me by and all this. And and slowly but surely, well, not really slowly, but in, in short order, a lot of the old gimmicks kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And you saw a lot of the performers taking on characters that were really just their own personality amped up in certain areas to 11 Right. And the right. fact that that worked so well for Vince and then he went away from it <laughs> and got back to like, yeah. hey, dance for me, puppets, dance. Right. And it took someone like Triple H who was there yeah, and who went from Hunter Hearst Helmsley, you know, blue yeah. blood from freaking Greenwich, Connecticut or whatever to Triple H. Yep. It, it kind of takes him going like, well, Vince, how do you not see this? Yeah. You know? I just yeah, find that and, very interesting that it's it, it like it, this what was a, a a you know turned into like a, a good thing for Vince turned out to be an Achilles heel for him. Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, and and I mean you know a lot of the reaction that you know led to the bloodline being so you know that storyline being so popular and so you know with the fans so invested in it you know a lot of that falls to to I mean all of them you know Jay Jimmy Sammy I mean the wise man you know Roman I mean and solo you know like all of them play their part very very well and you know it may seem you know I don't want to say it seems like it's overplayed. I, I think they're trying to tread water to WrestleMania where I think it's all going to implode at that point. Um, and, and well, I don't necessarily get the feeling they're treading water. Like they're they're It's like active. They're not sitting in one spot. They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're hovering around one area, but they're actively swimming. 
Like yeah. there, there, there's stuff going on, even though they're kind of like, okay, well, we don't want to get too far away from the island of relevancy. Yeah. But we can kind of go do a couple of laps around it and see what else we find, you but know? there's a difference building up to the climax of watching them, you know, seeing this unit that's always been a unit start to implode. Oh, totally. To yeah. now they've imploded. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, we're weaving in like LA Knight now in, into challenging Roman. And then we're going to mm. weave this person into challenging Roman, working up to, you know, what I think inevitably is going to be Cody challenging him again at WrestleMania mm-hmm. um, and, and and hopefully finally overcoming. Um, oh, speaking of which, did you see the bits from Heyman on SmackDown <laughs> with LA Knight? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I did. Like, he was like, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Playing right along with him. Oh, it's hysterical. Right. And that, it's hysterical. that line where LA Knight was like, I'll hit you so hard, I'll turn your hair back to gray or something. <laughs> that was fantastic. I kind of wonder if there's any foreknowledge of that because I could still see a little bit of Heyman, like almost like, oh, really? We're that's go pretty there, good. Huh? That's All pretty right, good. All right, all right, fine. All right. That's good. That'll draw. Okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, with Cody and Reigns, just that slow burn, you know, storytelling, you mm. know, to, to Rhodes eventually breaking Reigns' streak, um, because that's going to be a huge thing when he does that. Um, I, I think most recently after WrestleMania, you know, you and I, of course, were mystified by this. And that's that was kind of the like, like, I think that was I don't want to say the peak, but that was a very popular thought time to to say Vince is in charge because only he would screw something up like this you know yeah um, and we see Cody taking on Brock and like what the hell are they thinking and then that trilogy of matches turns into probably one of the best things that Cody could have gone through because it was a Cody wins one by the skin of his teeth Brock dominates him the second one and then Cody definitively defeats him and earns his respect and mm. and, and and we already talked I mean we did a whole episode about just that that SummerSlam match that that third match and just how good that was mm-hmm. because of the way that story was being told and the fact that Brock you know whether it's whether it's you know fact or fiction that none of them expected him to put his hand out and shake his hand like that. I mean, that was a huge deal because Brock never, it's a huge deal because Brock never does it. It, it, yes. it wouldn't have meant anything if he had always done that, but this was the first time we've ever seen him do something like that. Mm-hmm. And it makes it that much more special and interesting. So again, just, you know, seeing, like you said, seeing everyone being able to have some creative input and, an ability to change things. Um, main event Jey Uso was something I don't think anyone uh, like any of us saw coming, you know, with, with him coming into his own and the way that they kind of framed that and the way, again, the bloodline story played out to position mm-hmm. him well, where he was a believable contender, you know, to take down Roman um, and, and, and simply didn't because of, you know, interference. Uh, well, actually interference and, and a, a turtle like pace that, that, that put <sighs> Uncle Todd to the test when he was watching it. <laughs> Made me question my entire life. Maybe question existence itself. Actually, sir, I I will send you the link, but go to cagesideseats.com. Someone, uh, one of their columnists wrote a column saying, uh, because LA Knight's challenging Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel, this match with Roman Reigns has to take on a different tone. Mm-hmm. And when you read the column, it's basically saying, you know, Roman's matches have this pattern to it, which we've talked about. And it's like LA Knight has got to come in like a house of fire. It's got to be this relentless. I don't back down. So like, it has to be different. And one thing I really thought was kind of cool was do something different. Have Knight just start taking the fight to him. Like, like the first five to seven minutes is just Knight just dominating him. 
Mm. You know, like 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 we've never seen that. And it speaks so well to what he just like did well, in his promo this? with Heyman. You know, how about we actually have Roman Reigns? You know, have a wrestling match. No, that's that's true too. I mean, it's a revolutionary idea, but I think I'm ready. For, I'm I think I'm ready for it to actually see like you know a suplex, maybe catch, catch can, yeah, some some Submission? sort of sharpshooter, <laughs> anything besides like you know a punch every five minutes is that he wanders around the ring like I know talking something, smack. yeah. Like yeah. I, I get like, and you know, he, he does well with that, but it's like, how about some actual wrestling? Yeah. Because we've yeah. seen enough of that other match. Yep. And it's boring. Yep. The only way it wasn't boring was when you had Sami Zayn. That's because you had a crowd that was so like nuclear hot that, you know, you and I could have been out there wrestling and it would have been dynamite, you know? So anyways, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, what else? Um, the Judgment Day's rise to prominence. Oh my gosh! It started as Edge's faction <laughs> that he eventually got, you know, kind of pushed out of, is now this whole other thing where you've got which Rhea was Ripley, which was then Finn Balor's yeah action, which then which kind now of, is Mommy's faction exactly. Rhea Ripley is the leader. You have Finn, you have Damian Priest, and you have uh, Dom. Oh my gosh! And you know, how, how they, they just kind of came into, you know, Damien with money in the bank. Then they win the tag belts. Dom wins a North American title. She is the world champion for, for women. Um, was, uh, you know, just the way that they've, and, and just the interactions they have. I mean, going back to, uh, that, that promo, uh, back in the spring when, when Heyman comes by to cut a deal with, 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 uh, with the judgment day, and he's like, oh, what'd you think of the bloodline and what they did? And Finn Balor's like, eh. He's like, eh? What do you mean, eh? Yeah. <laughs> then he calls, call Roman Reigns. Yeah, he, he said, walks, eh. And then he walks off, off camera. He's like, call Roman Reigns. He said, eh. <laughs> but it's true. Like, But understanding, like, okay, Finn Balor. And they and you yep. could see them trying out Finn Balor. Yeah. And then they kind of went to, um, oh, my God, you just said his name. Big, tall dude. Archer of Infamy. Damian Priest. Damian, Damian Priest. Priest. Yep. How could I forget that name? Uh, and then it seemed like it was kind of like veering towards like he's the one in charge. Yep. And then finally realizing like, no, Rhea Ripley is the show here. Mm -hmm. Like she is the money draw. People are just fascinated by her. And that's that's taking out the 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 Instagram factor <laughs> because, yeah. oh, my gosh, people are fracking nuts for yeah. Rhea on Instagram. Yeah. It's kind of scary. It is. Um, it is. But I mean... And, it, and Dom. It, but, Dom but is a heat that. magnet. Dom oh is a heat magnet. Oh my gosh, yes. He yeah. just starts talking and people... And, and the whole place lights up. I mean, it's, yeah. it's incredible. It's almost like a new category of heat. Yeah. Like, I don't know that there's ever been anything quite like this. It's not go-away heat. It's not X-Pac heat. Mm -hmm. There is just this... It, it's like a sheer visceral vitriol that just comes out of people where yeah. they're like, I want that guy. We want to see you get your tail kicked. Yeah, we want to see you get your tail kicked. But he's not gonna because he's got mommy in his corner. That's and, right. And quite honestly, mommy can take out damn near anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sheesh. Yeah, she she is... They are doing a great job elevating her and, mm. and just continuing to make her look like a complete badass um, and they should in terms oh. of a leader of that group as well as in the ring with with the ladies so she's got so much charisma it's just like it's it's just oozing yeah 
yeah. out of every pore. Like, like I just just watching her around like the ring when there's a match going on is fascinating. In yeah. the same way that kind of watching, in the same way that watching Heyman mm-hmm. is fascinating. Yep. Except that like you know that she could also tear someone up. Yep. You know, and now oh, yeah. What was really interesting is when Money in the Bank happened. There was, you know, the fan base went apoplectic when when La Knight did not mm. win Money in the Bank. And they're like, what do they do? Here, they, here we go. They're screwing up another talent who's, you know, on the rise. Last week, cagesideseats.com, look it up. There was an article saying, I, I think something to the effect of, you know, Damian Priest winning or LA Knight not winning money in the bank was the right call. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that going, and, and again, this goes back to the Cody thing at WrestleMania. It goes back to this decision. They don't look like good moves on the surface because everyone's thinking so short term in the near term of what would, would they would want to see. And then with time, you see the wisdom behind what they do. You know, Damian Priest is going to be made in a different way through using that. LA Knight didn't need it. He had the heat based on who he was. They didn't need to give him money in the bank to somehow crown him champion they're going to use him as you know roman's challenger maybe he ends up being someone who who you know takes out Sami Zayn, or sorry not Sami Zayn. sorry uh takes out seth rollins um you know because he, he's not going to beat roman reigns they're they're, they're going to keep the title on roman at least to wrestlemania mm-hmm. um but maybe he's someone who takes down like let's say seth rollins right then you have Damian Priest who might cash like like this is the thing like and and this is a point I have later on is all the options that exist right now around the world the world championships they have is is just fascinating because they can do so many different things oh yeah it isn't a prescriptive it's only these four guys um it could be uh, s- several individuals that 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 could you know have, have have a run or something like that so no i mean it's it's just incredible um you know in I that way you know who it reminds me of this reminds me of prime Bill Belichick and mm. the Patriots. Yeah. Back back when you're you're dealing about, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe they they traded Richard Seymour to the Oakland Raiders. Bingo. Bingo. I can't believe they traded uh I forget his name. Gosh, he was a he was an offensive guard and apparently I just tried to Google it. Matt apparently. Light? Uh no, because Matt Light was a Center? he was a tackle. Oh, he's a tackle. Um, okay. He was a guard and he had a he had a mean streak. And he was a really good player for them. And they traded him to the Buccaneers. This is like 10 years ago or so. And people were like, oh, my gosh, including me. Like, what are you doing? And then he mm-hmm. does nothing for the Buccaneers. Yeah. And they and the Patriots keep on rolling. It's the same sort of thing now. Like, you question the move at the moment. And then later on, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. guess that worked out. Yeah. Uh, and 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 the fact is like you know it's not that it's going to work out all the time yeah it just works out more often than not which is all you really need it to do yeah you know which was kind of uh, fundamentally if you want to get down to like the the patriots philosophy in terms of like salary cap player moves contracts all that it was it wasn't that we were going to do the we're going to have a certain amount here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Ultimately, what it came down to is we're just going to do less stupid crap than everyone else. And if we do less stupid crap than everyone else, guess what? We're ahead. Yep. Because everyone else does really dumb things. If we just do fewer dumb things, we look great. We're in a right. great position and we have options like they like they mm-hmm. do now with storylines. Like you have room under the salary cap. You have players that you can trade. You have picks that you can move. You have all you have. It, you're just creating options. And that's 
man, that is what Triple H is doing right now. Like, he, again, he can go any which direction with half of the stuff that he's got going right now. And it's exciting because yeah. you really can't guess. And it goes back to what he was doing with NXT. Like, you just try and get more talent mm-hmm. so that it's not the same two or three people all the time. Right. It could be, hey, we can move this person into their orbit now. And then this person can kind of go do this. Yep. It, it's it's remarkable. Yeah. And, and and you see it happening right now with Sami Zayn. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Jey Uso. So, you know, I talked about how SmackDown was, was owed a, a draft or, or owed a, a talent based on Jay being moved to Raw. Well, that talent ends up being Kevin Owens. So now Sammy doesn't have his best friend who he was tagging with. And he now, you know, his promos are now kind of around, well, this is all Jay's fault. So now he's starting to kind of, he hasn't become unhinged yet, but they're starting to go down that road where he's looking at what's going on. And it's like, why is this bad stuff always happening to me sort of thing? Mm -hmm. And starting to go down kind of a heelish route where, um, you know, Jay is, you know, trying to deal with all of the repercussions of what he did as part of the bloodline. Like the fact that they even keep that detail in is, is phenomenal. Um, because yeah, he has this whole track record of screwing over a lot of people who don't trust him. So he's dealing with that. You have Cody who, you know, later on when he wins the title, does that now come back and, you know, blow back on him? Because Sammy could come to him and say, you're the one that cut this deal with Jay, which led to me and Kevin breaking up and look at you, you have the world title and look at me. I, I, I got nothing. And, and, and you know what I mean? Like there's just all these different webs they can go down, all these different paths they can pursue if they want to with these characters. Um, you know, and then you have Damian Priest with Money in the Bank. You have L.A. Knight, who is going to win a title at some point of some significance because he is just too hot right now to not put a title on. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's just so many different options. And, um, you know, I talked about that that Japan pay-per-view, you know, in May when they did Backlash, it was in Puerto Rico. And, you know, th- that had such a unique feel to it. They brought back Carlito. Mm-hmm who had been away for, you know, over 10 years, um, but, but was, was a memorable superstar. The crowd went crazy for him. Bad Bunny was part of it. You know, the fact that they do that sort of cross promoting with him crowd goes nuts for him. I mean, phenomenal, uh, card. That was where Cody beat Brock for the first time and no one could believe it. Um, but again, all due to the fact that Triple H is willing to go to those more non-traditional places than the company was typically doing, you know, they, well, like, they, they go and they, well, and, and, and I don't mean it's just the location, but, but I mean the, the booking and the way yes. that they went about it, you know what I mean? Like that was different from what yeah. Vince would have done. I wonder, cause I, I don't know the intricacies of their scheduling, like how far out that was scheduled, but I, 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 yeah, the I point is well taken in terms of taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is kind of what's been happening lately is like, hey, let's mm-hmm. take advantage of this. Let's take yep. advantage of that instead of just going, well, it isn't according to how I said it was going to be. So therefore, everyone ignore it. Pretend it didn't happen. Yep. You know, which yeah. is very much a Vince thing as just like we all I'm sure everybody for the past, you know, several months has had to pretend like, yeah, no, Vince, the, the mustache looks great. Mustache looks great, yeah. Vince. How did you like that close-up in that one? Like, I don't know if you looked at that one article where there was a close-up picture of Vince's pencil mustache and you look at that and realize that thing is uneven. Oh, it's yeah. all get out. It's like it's like Mark Davis's barber. He's <laughs> like he somehow he got his name to, to like oh. trim up the 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 cat turd that's underneath his nose. It's terrible. Yeah, terrible. It's it is it is it is 
freaking discount bin Walt Disney. It is. It is it is awful. Uh, you know, we, we we've talked at length about L.A. Knight and and the rocket strapped to his back and how that's that's you know uh, organic you know how he's organically grown with the crowd. Again, wouldn't have happened under Vince. Uh, Gunther, we already talked about him with the IC title reign. They they went ahead and 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 broke Honky Tonk Man's record, so now he is the longest reigning IC champion of all time. Um, just for, and just you know, he I'm really I'm really curious what they're going to do with him because I see him being a great foil for Cody if Cody continues on the baby face route, especially as champion, because mm-hmm. Gunther is a force to be reckoned with. And mm-hmm. and I think he's going to be a phenomenal world champion. Like they have a monster heel world champion who is not Brock Lesnar, who is just sitting right there waiting to be crowned. And and they'll be able to do so in probably the most heartbreaking way by having him break the guy that everyone loves. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, his his ascension has been fun to watch. We talked about the universal title options. Or another thing you could do. Yeah. I mean, because you, you have the undisputed, you know, blah, 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 universal mm-hmm. championship. What about the belt that Rollins has right now? What if Gunther went after that instead and then did the, almost the same as he did as as with the Intercontinental Championship? Like in, Absolutely. This is the real world's championship because this is the this is the championship for wrestlers. Right. And 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 Rollins is already down that road. Like he is taking on all comers. He's trying to make that like a workman's world championship. Mm-hmm. He's he's defending it anywhere, anytime, anyone. Um, and that's kind of my last point of, uh, and it's not the final point, but it's just what what I listed out of of the positive impacts this has had. Is, um, you know, my God, the revitalization of Shinsuke Nakamura with mm. with that whole feud with Seth Rollins. Um, I watched that Last Man Standing match they found a way to make a last man standing match riveting, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like with what they did in that match. I mean, he was so good. He was so vile as this heel going after a physically broken champion and making you believe like he was going to break him in the match. I mean, it was just so well done. Mm -hmm. And that, that would not have been a detail that Vince would have done. Vince would have gone with some sort of, you know, standard, you know, America versus, you know, whatever sort of, I mean, that, that, that's just what he does. Like he, he doesn't know anything else because that's all he knows. Yeah. And so like, like just having that kind of attention to detail and having Nakamura be a heel with some depth and, the promos leading up to it. I mean, all of it was just so well done. So kudos to, to Triple H and the creative team. They, they have, they've taken a product that you and I were ready to walk away from uh, probably earlier this year after WrestleMania, once we thought Vince was really going to you know take over and ruin everything mm-hmm. and, and turn it into something that, you know, we we've now kind of trickled in and watched a couple of the premium live events and have, you know, actually built some of our episodes around because the matches are so damn good. We got to talk yeah. about them. Um, but I want to ask, you sir we we've been we've been gushing for the last i don't know 45 minutes or so any missteps along the way that that, that, uh, that you would call out or or is it is it just too early to to kind of identify it i think um i think the fact that you you don't have a great way to yeah well, not that's not even a misstep because that's just the way it is. Like, it, the one thing I could see being labeled a misstep that I I look at is like you know you're doing the best that you can with the situation that you've been handed and that that is, is the fact that you you have a a a top dog mm-hmm. champion that is not a full time worker, mm-hmm. 
and that you don't have you've you've spent so much time building up that it would be a shame just to get the belt off of him to have someone who's on TV every week. You know what I mean? Like he's still over enough that even as a part-timer coming in every so often and not defending the championship that much, he's still drawing you a butt ton of money. Um, yeah. So I think they've done a fairly good job of, of working around that. The fact that your top heel, your, to- your top champion is only on TV every so often and, and not even necessarily in any, an extraordinarily meaningful yeah. way. Yeah. Um, but they've done, he, I, I, even in that, like they've managed to make a little bit of chicken salad out of some chicken in order to make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the, you had like Logan Paul on there. Um, I, 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 I don't know if I can count that as a misstep because even though I don't like the dude, I'm not his target demographic. And well, some of the matches it, he's had and the fact that people hate him so badly, I mean, damn. But it goes back to something you, you said when either it was either WrestleMania or SummerSlam. I forget which event it was, but he, he wrestled. I think it was SummerSlam because he wrestled Ricochet. But mm. there was some match he was in. No, it might have been WrestleMania because I think he faced off against Seth Rollins and you were kind of like, how is a guy who is like basically, I mean, he's not even a part-time wrestler. He's like a quarter-time wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Holding his own this way. And now rumors have it that he, you know, he already, he had a boxing or UFC match or whatever it was he had. And he called out Rey Mysterio and and the US title and rumors are kind of moving in a direction heavily that he's going to win the US title and hold it for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Does it, denigrate some of that stuff but to have a guy like like on the one hand i get why they're doing the cross marketing right because they're trying yeah. to bring in another audience dimension that that is tied to logan paul they're 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 trying to cross promote and mm-hmm. and broaden the product but does it does it sully the product when you have a guy who is barely a part-timer coming in and and going the distance with some of your quality guys going the distance and winning and potentially beating I mean, Logan Paul's been in the in in a, in a main event with Roman Reigns and lost, mm-hmm. but he but he took him. You know, not, I wouldn't say took him the distance, but he made it a fight. Yeah. So is that kind of decision making a problem? Because you got people who aren't really, it, you know, d- does it affect the reality of the WWE universe when you have someone come in like that? Um, the problem is that we've already crossed this bridge. Like we're, we're, it's not, it's not like whether we ought to cross the bridge or whether you ought to cross the bridge again, we are across the bridge and, and a ways away from the bridge. The bridge is barely even in sight now. Mm -hmm. There's been many instances of celebrities coming in and yeah, I, I was not happy with the way that, that Rollins looked against this guy, but you're already in this business and that's what it is. Um, I don't love it, but at the same time, I mean, it's not like, it's not like he's got Carl Malone out there. Yeah. It's not like it's someone who can't wrestle like Logan Paul, for as much as I don't particularly like the idea of the guy being there, mm. he can wrestle. Yeah. And not just like some high spots, like the dude can work. Yeah. And he is a natural heat getter. He, as a heel, he's a natural, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, there's worse things. Now, I mean, at least at least if you're doing this, you're doing with doing it with someone with some innate right. talent who can go, as opposed to like how many people, how many schmucks have we seen in in WWE through the years who you're like, oh my gosh, this is painful. Mm-hmm. 
at least it's not painful. Yeah. I'll give them that. Like at least they at least they're working with someone, continuing to work with someone who gets some eyeballs and isn't stinking the show out. Yeah. Yeah. So eh, okay, don't love it, but meh, you know. What they need to do is they need to get Taylor Swift to date someone in the WWE, and that'll be the effect that they want. Yeah. I mean, what, what's funny is I don't have this issue when they have like Bad Bunny pop in once in a while, but I think what I rationalize around that is Bad Bunny comes in and and you, you know he's someone who's just a one-off, you know, kind of sort of talent who who clearly respects the business. I mean, he, he does a phenomenal job when he's in the ring, but he's usually involved in like, you know, a tag match or, yeah. or a match that doesn't have like real stakes to it. Whereas when you see like, like, like I don't, I, I didn't fully agree with your point at the time. And, and I, and I don't know that I'm still fully on board with it, but I was able to suspend reality at least to see Paul and Rollins have the match that they had based on the story they were telling. But I do reconcile or, 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 or do recognize what you were saying where, what does that do to diminish Rollins though? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like you have essentially in Bobby Heenan's words, this ham and egger who comes in, you know, who, who really only shows talent because he is a celebrity and he has to look good in order to be, you know, kind of worthy of promotion. So <sighs> no, I mean, seriously, like, like the, but the like, thing think about is, it. anyone the... else, like back in the eighties when you had the old jobbers, right? Yeah. Yeah. What separates a Logan Paul from a jobber, right? I mean, he doesn't um, do this regularly. No, he, but but the fact not, is, like, there's no jobbers anymore. Well, fair enough. So fair enough. so that's just that's 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 a a, a a a bygone era. The fact is, we're in an era now where, I mean, <sighs> crap. Give me Logan Paul over Nia Jax. Nia Jax is a seasoned, trained, mm-hmm. res- professional wrestler. Yeah, Logan Paul has better matches than her. Uh, let me find a, Let me find an apples-to-apples apples comparison uh, in terms of guys. Um, Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. I will take a Logan Paul match over a Roman Reigns match. If you're, if you're, if you're offering me like what, what Logan Paul can offer in the ring in terms of right. actual wrestling match, in terms of moveset, in terms of pacing, in terms of, uh, of, of just being able to work with somebody and not getting just like punch kick and it takes a half hour for for you to get like into f- second gear i as much as i don't again i don't love logan paul i don't like the idea that he's doing it mm-hmm. but hell his matches are more exciting than roman reigns the only thing that mm-hmm. makes roman reigns matches exciting are usually he has the title and the dude he's facing roman reigns is boring as shite when it comes to wrestling right now he doesn't wrestle he punches, he kicks, you get a spear, and you get what what else does hey, he do? Don't forget about the smack talk. Yeah, uh, uh, whatever. You could class, have world class smack talk going on there. I, I I wouldn't put it that way. I don't even think he's that good. <laughs> he's good, but he's not that good. Oh my gosh. I mean, quite honestly, it's but it's 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 a, it's not even John Cena's five moves of doom. Roman's mm. got like two. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I'm sorry, but Logan Paul, it, right now, if you offer me one over the other, Logan Paul is a better worker than Roman Reigns. Okay, I, I'm not from what argue, from what we have seen over I'm the past couple of years. But you've also argued 
because of who he is, why yep. is he putting up a fight against someone who does this regularly? You're you're right. And the the fact is, I also wonder that about Roman Reigns at this point. That's why I was so hard on the fact that we've the last couple of defi- title defenses. Like, how come All nobody right. can beat this schmuck? All right, we don't He's need moving to so slow. This episode isn't an adjudication of Logan Paul, although we should maybe have one because uh, clearly Uncle Todd has a. Uh, I have feelings. Has has feelings, and and they they need to be vented. Um, all right. Oh, there we go. A little uh, free-range idiocy uh, court on this one, folks. Your Honor, the case before the bench today is Roman Logan Reigns Paul versus Jabroni Logan Paul. Not Jabroni. <laughs> no, actually, it's, I think I've already, I think I put up a pretty good defense for that. Now we got to go Roman Roman Reigns, Jabroni or not Jabroni, as a worker. Ah, not Jabroni. Oh, he can work. You, he can work. Yeah, when is he gonna? Well, maybe that's one of Triple H's missteps. Ooh, uh, maybe. Bongos. Yeah, that's Triple H on bongos, actually. <laughs> He's multi-talented. I'm telling you, the man's got rhythm. Oh, actually, who am I kidding? No, he doesn't. That's <laughs> X-Pac. Oh my gosh! All right, the herpes gives him extra reflexes. Let's wrap this up before we end up at two hours and forty-five minutes of just us rambling on here. Um, any other How is that different from any other show, sir? I just, I'm just curious. Because I am enforcing order. I'm, I'm trying to You're move it on. Order. Okay. Right. I don't, I, I honestly, I can't think of, well, actually, no, I will, I will say, I think bringing back Nia Jax is a huge mistake well, unless you, unless your plan is to like injure half of the women's roster and collect insurance money. Maybe that's it. It's a scam. I don't know. Could be. Um, could be. I don't, the thing is I haven't watched the product enough on a weekly basis you know, uh, yeah. show to show to show to really get into some of the minutia. I can only hit the high point. So yeah. I'm sure there are because not, you don't, you don't bat a thousand, but nothing that's like so bad that you're like, oh dear God, Absolutely. I'm not watching no, this ever it's, again. It's, it's a totally, I don't want to say it's a totally new product, but it is a different product. Yes. And yeah. that is a good thing. And, and just looking ahead, um, you know, and this is less about, I mean, it, it is about Triple H, less about Triple H to some degree, because because I don't know how much of this is in his control. But, you know, a couple things in future looking, um, you know, we already talked about kind of the payoff to Cody and Rain, uh, to, to the Cody Reigns, you know, kind of long simmering feud. I know a couple episodes ago, you, you made a case, uh, adjudicated a case here uh, in Idiot's Court on uh, that Cody and Reigns should go for a, another year. Um, that, that it may be another year of, of, of waiting, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that, that payoff is coming and I think is, is something that, that, that will be, um, uh, you know, finally, finally, uh, you know, closed out and, and resolved, um, does CM Punk return? Now there have been statements <sighs> nice. that they are not in negotiations with him at all, but that is exactly what you would want to say if you want to really surprise people at Survivor Series, which is emanating out of Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the fact is, like, it doesn't have to be. I mean, what we're we are late October. Mm-hmm. When is Survivor Series? Is it still next relative? Month. Uh, well, next I know month. next month. Thanks, thanks, there, Sparky. Hang on, I'll look it up. That's what you're asking. Well, I was looking for a, more of a date. November nineteenth. I'll, I'll throw it out there. Uh, is it November 25th? Thank you. Ah, close. By six oh days. my gosh. By six close. days. See, it was in this year. I told you. I told um, you. It was in this decade. I mean, quite honestly, do you need to, like, is, is there any hurry? Like, 
You could you could have him he could agree begin to show his up. NXT journey that you outlined two episodes ago. Oh no, and I get it. What I'm saying is like, it, does it matter what ha- what is happening today, October 23rd? There's a no. lot that can happen in a month. Yeah. I mean, a month ago we thought Vince was pretty much uh, a sure hand on the wheel and and had this thing. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, a month before Vince retired, we're all like, Ugh. yeah. And then all of a sudden. Hush, 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 puppies! I got, I got Jerry the King Lawler and Hush Money oh confused. God. Hush, puppies! Hush, puppies! Start wrapping this up, man. He's he's getting all puppies on us here. But um, but yeah, no, it, it, you never know. So yep. it's could, still could happen. It still could happen. I'm could holding happen. out hope. It um, could happen. But again, it, it, the the sun won't rise and set on that. If if Triple H doesn't pull that off, mm-hmm. there's there's so many other options. Uh, you know, looking ahead, does the bloodline implode fully? You know, what, like, what does that look like? And what, ha- and what, you know, what happens in, in place of that? Cause it's such like, they are such an institution on SmackDown now. It's like, you, you've got to figure out something else to kind of fill that void if they do end up going away. You know I what don't I mean? think they will. It doesn't I think, have to be a faction, but it has to be like, you know, I think you have to Gunther. keep, you know, you have to keep Roman and the wise man and solo at least kind of together. Maybe Jimmy, peels off or maybe you know solo peels off but you got to keep some of that together until roman finally loses the championship so that he can really plummet to earth Mm -hmm. you know that would really be the comeuppance that i think a lot of folks are looking for i agree uh and then finally you know i think a real test is going to be something you know the miz brought up when he was feuding with la Knight, which is you know does la Knight have longevity with this run he's on right now yeah all right We'll take your word for it. Well, that's all I got. Anything else you want to touch on before we kind of uh, wrap this bad boy up? No, it's just it's nice to 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 see that you know there's a sane hand on the wheel without oh, a pencil thin mustache. Thank God, <laughs> some cat turd just smeared across a bot an upper lip. All it's hail the just king! Nice. Bow down oh. to the king. Are you ready to play the game? That's right. Oh, and it's good to hear Lemmy's voice again. It, it is. just is. Oh, it is. Good such old a Lemmy. treasure. Good old Lemmy. Oh, anyways, I love I love how you have like you know Dave Grohl at Lemmy's funeral, and then you have you also have Triple H. Yeah, and yeah. It, you know what? And it, it, if you know anything about Lemmy, it's like yeah, it fits. Okay, yeah, yeah. sure. Basically, <laughs> well. I love the story that Triple H tells, though, you know, when, when he talks about Lemmy and, and, and it, it kind of made me laugh where he talks about him as, as a gentleman, where he's like, yeah, you know, I walked in with uh, with Steph and, you know, he had some, you know, topless, you know, ladies there and he was just kind of in, you know, and, and he's like, oh. like he shoes them out and then he come back in and they're all like dressed and you know proper and stuff like that it's just like (laughs) that is one of the things like lemmy man is uh, everything that i gentleman's gentleman i'd heard is like you know like uh the the, one of my favorite stories was henry rollins talked about uh how he got lemmy to come in and they were doing a benefit album Mm. uh for a legal defense fund for these these kids who had uh gotten pegged for a crime that obviously that it seemed like it was a, a setup and all this but mm-hmm. um asked lemmy to 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 do it and and he was like yeah sure and so henry goes to pick him up brings him to the studio and they he had henry had told the one of the guys at the studio he's like okay your job is you have to do craft services for lemmy so go get the biggest bottle of jack daniels that you can <laughs> and like a six pack of coca-cola <laughs> 
and a large bag of ice oh and set gosh. it up for him. And he says, so we bring Lemmy into the studio and he goes in and he immediately turns right mm-hmm. and then makes another left. Like, like he's, he knows exactly where the drinks are without even being told. <laughs> he just walks in, goes, makes himself a drink, has a couple of sips, comes out, and now he's ready to meet everybody. And he went around and he shook everyone's hand and introduced himself and met everyone and said mm. hello and had a little, little bit of a back and forth with like everybody who is there. And just this guy who was like, he just, he needed to have his beverage. Yep. And then he's like, yeah, very nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. And like goes down the line. And that is funny. Was just one of these guys who's like, he's a gentleman, but he's, he also isn't afraid to tell you to go F off right. if he feels that that is the proper thing to do in that moment. And, yep. it, you know, there's not enough folks like that. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, of a bygone era. Uh, yes. To, to be sure. To be sure. Started with Triple H, we end with Lemmy. And you know what? That's I think a... Triple H would appreciate that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he would get a chuckle out of it. Because you know you know that every so often he's like, man, oh, it'd be nice to see Lem every so, you know. Just Absolutely. Probably Absolutely. didn't spend that much time with him, but at the time it was like, oh, it'd be nice to just bump into him again. Yep. You know, get a phone call or something. 100%. Uh, All right, sir. Well, what do you got for uh, in another thing this week? Well, my in another thing is probably the furthest thing from Lemmy that you'll uh, <laughs> want to talk about, which is uh, the Frasier uh, reboot on the Paramount Plus. Hmm. That's right. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. Are they using that theme song again? Ah, uh, they are just uh, to a different peppier tune. So, oh uh, boy, yeah. No, we, we, you know, we we watched it, and uh, my my wife and I watched the first. Uh, well, we're now in the third episode. Um, it's it's pretty. It, it's good. I mean, it's not. It's it's honestly not awful. But I mean, it's also the, you know, like like a lot of series, you have to kind of give it some time to see what the rhythm of it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in this one, uh, you know, I mean, Kelsey Grammer just is Frazier. You know, I mean, he, he just, I mean, it's like he hasn't missed a beat and it's, it is very comforting to see him in that role. It is fun to see him in that role. Um, and, and like I expected, it was going to be, you know, kind of a story of, of, you know, much like Frazier was about, you know, him and, and the relationship with his father and his brother, this is now going to be a relationship of Frazier with his son and, uh, and his son, Freddie. And so, um, so yeah, no, it, it was a great start. Um, I don't know the actor's name, but, uh, so, um, the actor who played Niles, uh, has basically opted out of playing, you know, at this point he just said, I, I have nothing more to do, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the Niles character. So we won't see Niles, but we do see Niles and Daphne's son and the actor who plays him does a really great job of, you know, projecting that sort of, you know, s- some of the, the, the whimsical nature of Daphne and the very OCD like nature of his father, Niles. And mm-hmm. so it, it's really, it, that part is really funny. Um, they, they do a very nice job in the first episode of honoring John Mahoney, um, and his character of Martin Crane. Um, very, very, very just, just very well done. Um, and, and overall it's, it's just, it's a fun show, you know, it's, it's just a very fun show. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to last for, for beyond this season or not, but I, I, I don't know. We, we really like it. Um, you know, I know, um, you know, for, for, for my wife, she was a little skeptical, like, 
you know, we, we really love the, the, the Frasier series as a whole, that is like comfort viewing for us. We, we watch it, you know, we, we, we've done a couple, uh, full run throughs of, of the entire series as part of our viewing before we go to bed. And it's just a very comforting kind of show. It's just funny mm-hmm. and has a lot of really good stuff to it. Um, this one follows very much in the same rhythm as Frasier. Um, you know, there, there are those cut scenes where it has like a title and then you see the scene kind of play out. Um, so they, they've maintained that piece of it, but it, you know, it's in Boston and it's his return there and he's wildly successful. And now it's just him, you know, trying to reconnect with his son. And, you know, it, it, it's an interesting story to tell, like he's really achieved materially the things he wants to, but his, you know, his connection with his son is in, te- is in shambles and, mm. you know, like, like the things that really matter are just not there. And so, um, so yeah, so it's, it's been, it's been a fun watch. And so we, you know, I'd highly recommend, uh, you know, if you are a fan of the Frasier series, I would highly recommend, uh, checking out the, the, I don't even know if I call it a reboot. It's just kind of like the sec, the third act for, for this character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it is Frasier on the uh, Paramount Plus. Do check it out. Very nice. And you are probably going to be very upset at me for saying this. Yes. I don't think I've ever watched a single episode of Frasier. Oh, my friend, you need to. Is... And this is as an avid Cheers watcher. Mm-hmm. And yep. I just, I, nope, never, never, never wanted to. It, you know, again, I, I will say with season one of the Frasier show, you got to give it time. It, it's not like it's a right away sort of, oh yeah, this is clicking. I get it. It takes a little bit, you know, with its rhythm and stuff, but it, but it does find its way very quickly in season one. And, and you start to see, you know, they, they've always done a great job of writing that line between the, the comedic aspect of it and the stories they're telling, having heart and mm-hmm. having depth to them. And, um, and they do a really good job of that. And so, um, I, I would highly recommend it. It's, it's, it's just, it's, uh, if you're looking for something, you know, to kind of get you in, into the, you know, kind of a mood to go to bed. It's, it, it, I mean, it's not boring. I'm not saying it puts you to sleep, but it is something that you just feel comfortable with. It's just, it's funny. It makes you laugh and you feel good about it. All right. Do check Maybe it out. I'll give it a try. I got to admit, probably not because I'm, I'm in the midst of a Longmire rewatch right now. So you're rewatching a show you've already seen. Yes. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yes. All right. Same as you, like, watching Frasier for the 12th time. Well, you know, the heart heart wants what it wants. Ah, yes, it does. And what is your and another thing, sir? Well, so on a whim the other night, um, Mm -hmm. uh, the fam and I decided to put on uh, the Beckham uh, documentary limited series on Netflix. And did you immediately uh, regret such decision? <laughs> no, I was actually like, I, it was one of those things where I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch this, but I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. It was very, very interesting because I, I, I've been of course aware of David Beckham mm-hmm. because it's really hard not to be. Um, yeah. The dude has been on approximately a, a trillion magazine covers, mm-hmm. um, and his name has been bandied about, uh, of course, as one of the more famous, uh, you know, sporting personalities on the planet. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can't get away from you know coming up in the '90s and and having any kind of contact with the Spice Girls. Uh, it's tough to miss Posh. It is. Um, so it, it was one of those things where I'm aware of them and I'm aware of, of the power couple dynamic that they were and all that. Um, I 
but of course, being in the U.S. as opposed to the U.K. or Europe, mm-hmm. there still is, even though we are very much in a global world, uh, there is this delineation of things that are big in Europe are not always, you know, as big in the U.S. And mm-hmm. it's it's kind of interesting when those things happen. Um, so it was very interesting to learn more about, you know, David Beckham, his 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 upbringing and and kind of coming of age as a as a as a football player soccer for those of you uh uh, us heathens here in america um and kind of learning more about him and and it was fascinating to me just like how good this guy was but also like the amount of pressure that was put on this guy Mm -hmm. because of how good he was and in a team sport how how there was a couple of times specifically in the world cup when he really bore the brunt of the failure, uh, you know, in a way that felt unfair, mm-hmm. you know, like he's supposed to elevate everything and do everything and all this. And it felt unfair in, in some of those respects. Um, and then also one of the other things that was very interesting was discovering the personalities behind, uh, the Beckhams, mm. uh, because honestly I hadn't thought much about who Victoria, you know, posh spice was. I, I didn't know anything about her. I was not a posh. Uh, I was not a spice girls fan. You just knew she was posh. I did. I, I just knew like, oh yeah, she's always the one in the very short dress with the high heels who can't do all of the dance moves that everyone else is doing because otherwise they would have to censor the video. Mm-hmm. Um, but like actually hearing her speak in interviews, hearing him speak in interviews and learning more about them, like, wow, OK, this is kind of interesting, like the dynamic between the two of them. Um, and then just going through his entire career and, and kind of trying to understand who he was as a as a person, as an athlete. And, and then as a person, you know, coming out of his athletic career, very interesting, like for mm. someone who like I do not follow soccer or or football, as it's called in the rest of the world. But football. I was fascinated by this. And it was one of those things where we're watching it. Of course, there's a lot of talk about football and, mm. and watching different matches. And I'm like, I kind of want to get into this. Like this is this is a fascinating thing. And watching it, I'm like, I can understand how people can be riveted by this because it is. There's so much going on. Um, but it was, it was really, it was, it was really interesting and also very well done as a documentary, Mm. um, very well paced and, uh, and, and felt, it felt really good finishing it up. I was like, wow, this, this was a really good expenditure of time. So I would highly recommend it. Even if you don't give two squats about the Beckhams and, Mm. or, you know, uh, soccer slash football, cause that's kind of where I was at. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. Nice. Yeah. Well, maybe I should check it out then. I think you should. And, and you know, elevate yourself a little bit. I know that you're, you, you are very cultured in many other ways, sir. But maybe this is a way that you can culture yourself a little bit, a little bit more. Cultured in the way of deviled eggs, Brussels sprouts, and steak, baby. And bourbon. And bourbon. Of course. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's about time for us to pull up stakes and to move this freak show on to the next town where we will probably get run out on a rail. Snake oil! Uh, Thank you very much for tuning in. We really appreciate you uh, listening to the podcast, and and thank you to all the members of the Free Range EDC congregation who have been out there so, so, so just fervently. Um, Your your thoughts and prayers for us um, usually... You know, just not doing a whole lot because there's not much that's going to improve our ADC. But keep it up! Um, 
Believe. Yeah. Maybe for some more important stuff. We're mm. we're we've developed about as far as we're gonna. And just just ask our wives. It's not get, there's no upside. It's only downside from here. Evolution stops at the range. <laughs> That's so right. we appreciate y'all listening. Uh, if you are not a member of the Free Range of DC congregation and you you want to join, well, you know we like to think of ourselves as the nice cult, uh, and you can join just by listening and downloading and subscribing. So it's very simple. Go to freerangeadc.com. You can find all of our episodes there. You can download them all individually or all at once. You can you can subscribe to the Podbean app. Um, and if you say to yourself, I've got enough apps in my life, uh, unless, uh, of course, there's deviled eggs or deep fried deviled eggs on the menu. In that case, Ooh. bring those mothers over here. Um, if you have enough apps in your life, then go ahead and find us on one of the apps that you get your podcasts through. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, uh, Google Podcasts, whatever the hell Amazon calls their podcast service, uh, and all of a whole bunch of others. Just look for Free Range EDC. You will find us. I guarantee it. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias we are on the instagram we are on the facebook we are on the youtubes as a matter of fact you can get all of our episodes on youtube full episodes there so you can subscribe to our channel and get your episodes there as well you can also gotta take a breath here i was about to choke on my own spit sorry about that i could edit that out but i'm not going to because I'm tired, uh, and I'm going to be tired when I'm editing this. So there you go. Um, you can also send us uh, questions, thoughts, concerns. Uh, if you have ideas for shows, if you have questions about what we've been yapping about, if you just want to be like, hi, uh, then you send all of those to Tim at FreeRangeEDC.com, and he will get back to you ASAP, forthwith, if not sooner. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for me to stop flapping my gums and there was much rejoicing in the congregation hallelujah and amen even if you will uh however uh, not before not before i uh, i turn to the man who sit next to the man who sit next to the man who sit next to the man who's sitting okay i'm not going to do that that I'll, I'll you know what you got to go to robin harris for the true joke on that because i can't say those words on the podcast uh, we try and keep this a family oh. show i'm going to turn to the lesser idiotic oh, of the two God. idiots who run this show and i'm going to ask this man the second most important question in all of human history the first being what is hip the second being what the hell did we learn this episode uh, we've learned the following, my friend. Mm. We have learned the man they call Tim is uh, on on the upward trend with fantasy football, and is oh. going to go above and beyond the five the paltry five hundred season that Uncle Todd has predicted. He will rise above and be You're above five hundred. We have learned uh, that Ahsoka season two may uh, focus itself a little bit more on uh, Balin and, and Shin and their their adventures in the wilds of Peridia. But we will see uh, how that leads into Thrawn, who will be the ultimate endgame in the Heir to the Empire film, which we are looking forward to. We have also learned, yo, Barley, uh, Burt Young apparently didn't pass away in 2012, passed away last week. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Uncle Tim is, or Uncle Tim, sorry, the man that called Tim is. <laughs> Good God. Oh, that did make me humble. That's That, that mistake. Good God almighty. Uh, we have learned uh, that under Triple H, WWE is putting out a much better product, and uh, we are thankful that the uh, tomfoolery, chicanery, and general 
uh, douchebaggery of Vince McMahon is no longer. Uh, and we have a solid product in front of us with a lot of options, a lot of interesting areas that it can explore and go into. And so we are excited. We are bullish on uh, what these uh, premium live events will be showing us as we move forward. Uncle Todd's got his Peacock uh, subscription still, uh, you know, locked up and ready to go. And so Let me uh, talk to you. we will uh, we will definitely bring some some further episodes highlighting some of the, the fine, fine work that uh, the men, women and uh, creative team at WWE are putting out there. Yeah. Uh, finally. Uh, we have also learned uh, that Uncle Tim, uh, I keep saying Uncle Tim, the man they call Tim, uh, probably Uncle Tim is coming from the, the empty bottle of Wollenshine. Oh. Uh, yes, we, we have completed the, the Wisconsin uh, straight bourbon whiskey bottled in bond from uh, from our, our August excursion. Uh, that the man is now they call done. Tim is going to put a message in there and leave it for his wife when he is <laughs> 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 downstairs in his recording studio. That or the garbage man who's uh, going to recycle that bottle. But nonetheless, hey. fantastic. W- Woolersheim, do check it out if uh, you have access to it. It makes me think of the department store in Polar Express. <laughs> I keep on thinking that's what it is. I know it's not, but that's what I think oh, of. Oh my gosh! What is it? Right. Isn't there Herpesheimer or something Herpesheimer, like that? herpes. We get back to Sean Waltman herpes again. You find Damn a way it. to work the word herpes into anything, don't you? Good well, God Almighty! Hey, I mean, once it's there. Good God. Anyways, uh, as Uncle Todd has mentioned, we thank you uh, for the downloads and the listenership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we like to close things out here on the range, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. The range is closed. Yeah. You are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out and don't come back. Until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. You actually managed to kind of tie that all together this time. Hey, man. We're done and done. I know. I, you I don't save know. yourself. I, I don't have anything to say. That's the problem. You gave me no ammunition that Final time. Final thing we learned. Man, they called oh, Team 170. <laughs> <laughs> His opponent won 44. You had to go and screw it up. Victory is mine. Victory is mine, saith the macho man Randy Savage. And and what's your record now? I am 3-3-1. Three, three and one. Which is... Hey, I'm 500, but there's plenty of season left to play. Which is exactly what I You said predicted. end of the season 500. Still, I will fight tooth and nail to avoid that. You be humble, Bubba. It's Can I coming. Have the glorious theme, please. I'm, I'm, I'm winning. I'm winning. Okay. I'm Charlie Sheen winning. There it is. This is my team. This past Sunday, it showed up. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's all you deserve for getting to 500. Oh, good lord. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uncle you, Todd you can... giveth, and Uncle Todd taketh away. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you can, you can have a little of this. Oh, God. I don't want that. I want glorious. Oh, God. Let me talk to you. Oh, my God. That's all I got to say about that. Ah, thank God. Now get the hell out of here!